Research is a podcast that explores current nutritional research and health studies. Our lawyer says we have to let you know that this podcast is for entertainment, educational, and informative purposes only. If you have any health questions, see your doctor or licensed health professional. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast Research, where we talk about research on what we eat. Yes, this is such an awesome episode today. Welcome, everybody. I'm Lindsay. I'm Lisa. And we're back for some more fun chatting about nutrition research. We have a little bit of a different paper that we're going to be talking about today. So exciting. Yeah, so as you can guess from the title, is it time to take your sugar pill? We are not talking about eating candy. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we're going to be talking about placebos. Uh, So a little bit of a change in pace, but I just wanted to explain why I picked this article. So we've, we've been talking throughout all of our episodes pretty much on oh my god rcts are fantastic oh my god rcts are are the gold star in research and i just wanted to have an episode on why and let's just remind everyone what an rct is yeah good idea uh so an rct is a a randomized control trial so this is a study where they have a treatment or some type of intervention it doesn't have to be a treatment necessarily but some type of intervention or variable and they split groups of participants into at least two groups one of which is a control and one of which is some kind of intervention the control group goes through the placebo or some type of non-treatment or non-intervention and they the way that they are grouped is completely randomized so a lot of the time they'll set up the criteria for randomization before the study even begins so that there's no bias during the study and during the allocation of the participants Uh, So that's where the randomized come from. And this is important too, because you don't want people coming in, say that they're doing like a weight loss study. They don't want people coming in and like, oh, you know, you maybe have a bit more weight to lose. So this is going to be harder. Uh, So we're going to put you in the control group so that it doesn't mess with our data, for example. Right. That's like introducing bias. So the whole point of the randomization and the control are two levels of reducing the bias that as humans, we all have a little bit of, and the whole idea is to be as objective as possible. Exactly. So randomized control trials are considered uh, the gold star or the one of the best. Uh, With every study, there are pros and cons, like we'll be honest, but what the randomized control trial has done is taken many of the major concerns that we have with any type of study, and they've tried to neutralize those as much as possible. So we've talked about randomization. Uh, The controlled part is important too, and this is really what we're gonna get into today. The control is a way to measure a comparison between the intervention and the non-intervention. But where it gets interesting is just the fact that people are participating in a study changes the outcome. And so we need to do a control with a placebo if possible to account for the fact that 
even just the the influence of participating in a study or getting some type of pretend intervention has its own effect. Right, right. And typically for the better, this this is the placebo effect. Uh, so this is why I wanted to take a look at this because the effect of the the placebo effect is is really interesting. Actually, like people often know that they're not getting medical intervention or treatment and they will still have beneficial outcomes, improvements to their health, even though they know that there's not an intervention. So just to start, placebo is defined as a harmless pill, medicine or procedure described or prescribed, sorry, more for the psychological benefit to the patient than for any physiological effect. Hence the sugar. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it has no therapeutic effect. It's used as a control. And then the other uh, sub sentence there was a measure designed merely to calm or please someone, <laughs> which I thought was entertaining. We're, we're, we're helping you. We're helping you. But you don't really know if this is really happening or not but don't worry we're helping you and that's exactly the whole point of the placebos you don't you think you're getting help but you may or may not actually have something that's supposed to make an actual biological change in your body exactly so but just why i like this topic is because it really demonstrates the power of positive thinking and the power of mind over matter we have more control than we realize over our bodies and our symptoms and how we feel and just everything. And this shows that. So I'm getting ahead of myself here. (laughs) So, I mean, the study of placebo is actually fairly new. It's a fairly recent, um, it's really escalated in the past, I would say two decades. When it started was in like the mid 60s is when they started kind of saying like, hey, did you guys know that even when we don't do anything, but we say we're doing something that there's an effect? Right, right. And that's when researchers started thinking like, oh, okay. And so the placebo effect um, or the placebo came to be. More recent research have has really started studying like the placebo on its own. And there's two different ways that this can happen. Either the participants or the patients are aware that they are getting a placebo or they're not aware. And that is deceptive. Um, And there are a lot of ethical issues around undisclosed placebo use. Especially when it, it, it depends as well on what people are seeking treatment for. Yes. Right. Cause some things it's, you need, like somebody needs help, you need to help them and other things it's like, okay, well, you know, it's not as bad. Um, and this, you're actually talking right now about blinding. And so the difference between like single blind, unblinded and double blind also plays into all the placebo stuff as well. Exactly. Uh, just, just as a disclosure, I'm not going to be talking about deceptive placebos at all today. Um, but I did want to mention that because they are quite prolific in research and in the medical community, there's still a lot of debate and a lot of ethical concerns around it. Something that does need to be researched a bit more, but we didn't look into it today. What we're looking at today is called open label placebo. And this is where researchers, doctors, medical health professionals are very open right from the beginning that this is a placebo, this does not contain medication, but I want you to take it anyway, and we're going to see how this can help. 
Right. So this is this is not blinded at all. It's not blinded to the the doctor running the study, and it's not blinded to the participant in the study. And I just want to circle back for two seconds about the ethical issues because over time there are more and more boards of ethics that are involved in any any type of clinical studies that are ongoing, whether it's through a company, whether it's through a hospital, whether it's through a university. And so all of these kind of ethical implications are looked at before trials are allowed to start. Yes. So the, the, it's changed over time, but it's it's definitely there and growing. Yeah. And this is definitely, I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up because, you know, and I get this when I teach all the, a lot of the time where, you know, I'll say, Every single study done today and that has ha ever wanted to be done in the past quite a few decades needs to go through ethical permission or an ethical review board in whatever organization they need to go through before any study can even begin. Right. Right. And this is even things like, you know, when I worked in the lab, I, I worked with mice Yep. and I had to do a study and so I wanted, I put the proposal together, submitted it. I wasn't even allowed to order supplies for the experiment until everything was approved. Right. And that was, again, just, just for mice. This isn't even in human studies, which are way more complicated. And you need to have the levels of ethics and permission that you need to go through are much higher for things like that. So this is not the way it used to be you know, in the mid century when right. anybody was like, Hey, let's see what happens here. And they could just go ahead and do it. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, this not is happening. And for no. good reason. And this is, this is a perfect example of how science advances as yes. well. It doesn't just advance our knowledge. It also advances on how we gather that knowledge in the first place. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. A lot of these open label uh, placebos what they're looking at now, the studies that were included are things like ADHD treatments, uh, IBS, irritable bowel, looking at reducing symptoms, migraines. What was included actually was shocked me a little bit was fatigue from cancer treatment, back pain, depression, and allergic rhinitis. So these are the ones that they've really started to look into. But looking at the effect of, okay, when people know that they're not getting treatment, does it improve symptoms or even perception of symptoms? And this is, I think, a key word here is, and they even mentioned this in the article, a lot of these symptoms are subjective, yes. which means that the person is quantifying them based on their own internal rating system. And it's not measurable by anybody externally. So it's blood sample or blood pressure where you can actually get like a definitive reading. These are subjective. And so this is important though, because, you know, how we feel is interpreted by us, by our brains, by our bodies. And so if we feel better, really what difference does it make whether or not this is like a recognizable, quantifiable lab result? It doesn't matter. And the conditions make sense. Like if you're not going to do this for an incritical or, you know, life preserving conditions and also the yes. duration, right? So you may be better to do a short open label placebo study for say you're telling somebody you're going to do this for two weeks or four weeks or whatever this is not necessarily going to be their treatment plan moving forward for the next year or so so there's all of these factors taken into consideration 
Um, and yeah, pain is such a subjective thing. Yes, it really is. Um, and there's so many different factors that influence pain and how people deal with pain. So it was really interesting. But here's the really cool bit is the study that we're talking about today is actually a systematic review and a meta-analysis on this topic. So I did not think like what got me started on this to start with was I remember reading about a study and I've tried to go back and find it, but I can't. Um, and it's driving me crazy. I'm going to keep looking for it to see if I can ever find it. But they did a study on placebo where they looked at the effect of a sugar pill and they found that having a sugar pill or a placebo pill improved the symptoms of something. I can't even remember what it was over no placebo. And then they're like, I wonder if we can continue this. And so they looked at two sugar pills or placebo pills, which improve symptoms over one placebo pill. And then they upped their game even more. And we're looking at injections over placebo pills. And they found that that improved symptoms even more. And so even the type and delivery of placebo had an effect, but this was, I'm sure, quite an older study. Again, I keep trying to look for it, but it's such a hot area of research right now. It's kind of buried in mountains of literature. Um, but I wanted to find a study where we were looking at the effects of placebo. And I came across a meta-analysis, <laughs> which of course we love, right? Analysis and systematic review are at the top of the hierarchy. So when I saw this, I was like, okay. And it was published just a couple of months ago, February, 2021. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So hot diggity. Here we go. <laughs> uh, so I gave this a seven, of course, because it is a systematic review and meta-analysis. Uh, we just published on some of our social media, the chart that we use. And I can't remember the website that it's from. So Compound Chem. Compound Chem talking about the hierarchy of the different articles. So if you're like, where the heck are they getting this rating system from? It is from this uh, really cool visual that they've made, which I have shared on our social media. So go check that out. And we'll put it in the notes as well. Yeah, we definitely will. That's a great idea. Uh, so systematic review, meta-analysis done on open label placebos. So when they started, they did a search in all of the... Uh, reputable databases. They came up with 2,028 articles. They weeded it out. There was a lot of overlap between articles. So that pretty much cut it in half right there. Uh, they had a whole bunch of uh, criteria that had to be met. At the end, they had 13 that qualified for a qualitative review. So that would have been the systematic review. And they had 11 that qualified for the meta-analysis. Right talking about it this is something to keep in mind that that's not a lot of articles so this is right. not that met their standards exactly um, we typically need a lot more articles and data points to be present in order to have statistically significant data that we can rely on so they do state pretty early in the discussion that there is not enough studies done yet to have a substantial result. There's, there's just still a lot of studies that need to be done. Um, but there was enough that they could start looking. Overall, there was actually a very valid positive effect for placebo treatment, which was really interesting. One of the ones, the concerns that they started talking about right from the get-go is bias, which we talked about already. You know, RCTs are really designed to try and minimize bias. 
and meta-analysis and systematic reviews are done specifically to try and weed out bias and figure out what the real data is saying. So there was publication bias was one of the ones right from the get-go. And they looked at uh, how they were able to see this as they did a funnel plot. And we've talked about funnel plots a little bit before, but just as a reminder, what it is is a way of graphing the data as a way to visualize how much bias might be present. Um, I found online, this is something fairly new to me. I'm still trying to learn a lot more about it. So I'm not going to talk a lot about it because I don't feel qualified enough yet to talk about funnel plots. Um, but I did find quite a few good YouTube videos uh, about funnel plots to really help me interpret it. So what we're seeing with this study is that the funnel plot is showing is there is a lot of publication bias. And so we just don't have enough data yet to be able to say with confidence that without a shadow of a doubt, placebos are excellent. So we, we just wanted to, to mention that. Um, that was interesting, actually. Funnel plots are cooler than I realized. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm allowed to say that, people are probably like, oh my God, are funnel plots cool to begin with? Yes. <laughs> To me, they are. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure people are shaking their heads right now. <laughs> Some of the other bias, there was a really cool figure talking about all the different ways that bias can be present. And some of these I had not learned about. So we they were looking at uh, bias arising from the randomization process, which we talked about already. There wasn't a lot of concern with the articles that they included here, uh, which was good. It shows that, you know, the randomization process has a, a very good method involved to it. So there's only two out of the 13 that really had major concerns. Bias due to deviations from intended interventions. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so this, this one, there was actually quite a few that there was concerns. They have like this uh, green, yellow, red scale on this chart and here we actually have two reds saying that this was a major concern uh, bias due to missing outcome data here there was only two and the rest were actually green saying that there wasn't really any major concern here but you know if if you're like oh i don't like that data so i'm just maybe not going to include it like that <laughs> this is not how my process not works cool. so that was a concern as yeah. well uh, bias in measurement of the outcome, so how the outcome was measured, bias in selection of the reported result, overall risk of bias. Um, in the end, there was four actually that had some big concerns, uh, but most of them were yellow, which meant that, you know, that that concern wasn't huge, which was good. So just as a summary, I'm not going to go all through the data because you know, reading it out is not very exciting, but just a summary of the 13 systematic reviews that were done, 11 of them showed statistically significant improvement in symptoms. There was two that did not. And I thought this was really interesting. The two that did not, both were depression related. Mm. Yeah. But all of the other ones, no matter if it was some of the other topics I talked about, which was ADD, IBS, pain management, fatigue management, all of those shows showed statistical improvements with open label placebos. Right. Yeah. So that was, I thought, really, really cool. 
some of the things that they mentioned in the discussion so there's there was a few funny bits here one of them the articles were written by carvello at all i know i have to look them up now because apparently they're my family <laughs> i don't know who they are <laughs> but that was as i was reading i was like circle this i'm like oh my gosh i see my name yeah first off there is always the best place to be i know i know so i thought that was really funny that is so some of the the concerns they talk about that the original articles don't really go into detail about how the instructions were given during the placebo because this can have a huge effect on the outcome and so this is something that I, I want you to flag in your mind right now for all of the nutritional professionals out there the delivery method for the instructions has a huge impact on outcome the other thing that they mentioned uh in this i will quote olps which are open label placebos might produce some additional effects beyond classical conditioning and expectations because of the novelty of this kind of treatment patients seem to enjoy the treatment as described and described it as crazy according to the intake and outtake interviews <laughs> That's awesome. So they agreed to do this open label placebo and they knew that it was placebo, which means the label is open. And they thought, yeah, this is crazy. I'm going to try it. And many of the people actually felt a subjective improvement, even though they know that is hilarious. Isn't that funny? Yeah. When I, I highlighted that and I put LOL. Right. <laughs> great like it's great that we can objectively kind of measure the subjectivity yes. of things so it's it's this, yeah that's funny but that keeps in mind that there is inherent bias in who is participating we and they mentioned this that now we're looking at bias that may not be accounted for and who is like hey this looks like a cool study i'm going to participate and so we have selection before participants even sign up. Right. Yeah. But I just thought, like, the fact that you can have that in an article that participants described it as crazy and wanted to, <laughs> wanted to participate. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that was really cool is they talked about an effect on the Bayesian, Bayesian, have you ever heard this? Oh, Bayesian, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Bayesian brain. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I think it's Bayesian, Bayesian? but I don't Yeah, know. I feel like we ask this every episode if we're <laughs> pronouncing this. How do you pronounce this word? Right? Yeah, so the Bayesian brain, which talks about the prediction-driven perception of the world. And so basically, if you're given something and say, and you're told, sorry, this is going to help you, you now expect that to help you. And so therefore it will help. Right. And really that's kind of the crux of what placebos are. We're given something, it's not actually going to help, but we're told it will. And so we expect it to, and therefore our perception of what happens changes. Yeah. And so that's something that has to be taken into account. And this is like, as I was going through and trying to look for different studies, this was mentioned over and over and over again. This is something I kept seeing over and over. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention too, is it brings up that children are more suggestible 
and have higher placebo response than adults. Interesting. Yeah. And so this is why that ADHD, there was a couple of ADHD studies were included in this uh, because children, I mean, in general, they're more open-minded. And so they are more, um, they, they have more influential, influential, (laughs) what would be the word? Um, Influence? No, I can't think of the word. I'm totally know what you're talking about and I can't think of it right now. Yeah. It can can be be influenced. influenced. Yes much more which is i mean i think we know this but the fact that it's put into writing in a research paper is significant there was concern over small sample sizes and short duration of treatment and so what was said quite frequently is we really need to do more research into this so far research is showing positive results and the fact that you know if you can take a placebo and most of the time have improved outcome with no risk, really, where's the harm? But as you mentioned, these are conditions where, you know, they are not life-threatening. These are more subjective symptoms that, that these health professionals are treating. And so it's really the person's perception of how they feel. And, you know, it's, I think it's just really cool. It's, there's definitely a lot of promise here as an effective treatment for some illnesses and the symptoms of those illnesses. And, and people literally know that they're getting a placebo. It is not blinded to them. It is not blinded to them and their doctor, which would be the double blind. It is their literally, it's like, hey, here's the label. Yeah. Label's open for you to read. It says placebo but we're going to, we're going to ask you a bunch of questions. So just start taking it. However, yep. and um, then we'll ask you questions as we go. So I just, yeah, I, I really hope uh, people take away the importance of control in studies and why this improves the quality of the study and the power of placebo. And I mean, this study really looks at pills and like an actual tangible placebo that people can take but i really feel that this information can be extrapolated you know if you are a health professional working with people i think it's important to be transparent when you are working with people be honest because it does increase your credibility and trustworthiness but saying you know like a lot of people are are showing improved symptoms and they just feel better and so here are some things to try And really, you have nothing to lose. You know, we talked in our last episode about mindfulness. Even just the act of doing something and feeling like now you are taking control of whatever it is you want to change will start having that effect. And whether or not the science supports it doesn't matter. If you feel better, who cares, right? Like it's all about personal experience. And we can even take this one step farther by saying if people are experiencing benefits from something recommended it may or may not be due to the treatment recommended it may be a placebo effect very well might be so there isn't a causal relationship between everybody's treatment whether it's a legit treatment or a placebo treatment that's definitely going to be the cause of somebody feeling better. Yeah, 
But two things to uh, really keep in mind, uh, whether it's for yourself or if you are working with clients, wording and your approach to the intervention is key. Staying positive and talking about the benefits of it will really make a big difference. The other thing that will make a big difference is the open-mindedness of the participant. How much they want to help themselves, how eager they are to participate, and how they feel about whether this is actually going to help or not. And, you know, those two points, I think people need to keep in mind when they are working with people, because that will have a big impact on if they feel results or not. I just remembered the word suggestible. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I hate when I get brain parts like that. I'm like, I know I know the word. Where did it I know. go? It yeah, just when people are suggestible, then they, you know, um, you can suggest things and they're more open-minded yes. Yes. to it, it happening. Thank you. This, this is a really interesting story of study. And I think that the fact that they started with over 2,000 studies, but only like a few of them met the criteria is also telling. So yes. just because a study's published, it doesn't mean like it's of all kinds of quality. It doesn't mean it's the highest quality. It doesn't mean it was the biggest or most robust. There's a lot of factors that go in. Of course, it's been peer reviewed and all of that, but there's still an extra layer of quality control mm -hmm. beyond just finding a study and saying, oh my gosh, I found the answer. Because as with publication bias, you can tell publication bias because of the kind of array of results. And when you're missing a certain array of results, then it's not public. Then that's probably because things weren't published because basically we're looking at things in a normal curve. So there's yeah. always, always going to be rando studies with rando results. And it doesn't mean that they're bad. And it doesn't mean they're local. They may be, they may not be. But when you look at all of the evidence in a field, all yes. of it, you have to go with where the, the most evidence is and the most highest quality studies are. But you know there's going to be random results on both sides, both better and worse. So putting so much emphasis on one study is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. Well, this is why, you know, like if you are doing research in any topic, if there's only one study indicating there's a connection between A and B, that is not the end all be all there. It's not saying there's not a connection, but there's not a lot of evidence supporting that there is. Yeah. And so we, we cannot put that much weight on any one single study. We really have to look at the collection of information that is being put out there. And, you know, the, this is, this is why we do what we do because we want people to understand this and realize that, you know, it's not just hopping online every once in a while. This, you know, it does take a little bit more work uh, to keep track of all of the studies, maybe not all, but a lot of the studies that are going on and, and to see what the overall, the overall pattern, pattern yes, is. Yes. Before we wind up, can I share a really yeah. brief story of how I participated in a sort of similar open label placebo? What happened was when I was pregnant and I was going to the prenatal program, they were preparing us for the experience of the pain of childbirth, right? Mm. So they actually had 
all of the moms do the same thing in two different ways. And that was to try and focus in on something. You're trying to focus your attention on something. And the objective was to see what the difference is when you focus on a pain or when you don't focus on a pain. So first they had us just hold an ice cube in our bare hands for a minute and focus our attention on that coldness, on the pain. How are we experiencing it? And it feels intense because they're literally coaching you to focus your attention on your freezing hand. Then they did the same thing, but instead of focusing the attention on the hand, it was focus on something else, focus on, you know, a vacation or a good memory or whatever it was and how the pain didn't feel as intense because pain is such a subjective experience. And it's like, that's kind of open label because you know that there's ice in your hand and you know, you're focusing your attention on it or not. So that's just an example of how this could work in like real, real life situations. Like you're focusing your attention on something that you think is going to be painful, or you're focusing your attention on something that you don't think is going to be painful, but you're, you're experiencing that ice cube in your hand both times. Well, that's really cool. And did it help when you gave birth? Yeah. Like, were you able to, uh... well, I don't know if it helped when I gave birth. But I definitely noticed a difference when I was in that prenatal class. So, uh, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Thank you for sharing. That's awesome. Is there anything else on this? Uh, no, nothing else to include in the study. Um, it was a good study. I don't even know if I shared the title. Oh, oh okay. Sure. That's right. I Tell should us. go back. The paper effects of open label placebo in clinical trials, a systematic review and meta-analysis. It was, it was a bit of a bigger, heavier article. So I will of course attach a link to the article. It is open access. So you can go check it out. You can look at the funnel plot if you want, so you can see what I'm talking about and, and that figure two on all the different types of bias, (laughs) but yeah, it was just, you know, hopefully the, this episode gave you enough of an idea of how important placebo is in studies and why it needs to be taken into account in the experimental design to improve the quality of the study overall and the power of placebo on its own is really impressive and it's really something I'm, I'm excited to see what new research comes out about it yeah thank you so much for sharing this study on uh, open label placebo studies exactly yeah yeah fun bit a bit off the nutrition path but still vital to understanding studies so awesome thank you so much thanks for chatting with me today this is like always has been a lot of fun yay yeah uh thank you for listening thank you for joining us today and uh, if you want to learn more and, and see other content, uh, you can definitely follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at Research Podcast, and we are on Twitter at Research as well. And you can also go to our websites. So you can find me at lisacleach.com, and that's L-E-E-S-A-K-L-I-C-H.com. And you can find me at lindsaycarvalho.com, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-C-A-R-V-A-L-H-O.com for more information, resources, and all sorts of other great content. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you. Have a fantastic day, everybody. Yeah, for sure.